Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. Welcome to Paid in Puke. We're going to try introducing ourselves again. (laughs) Here we go. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Christina. I'm Annie Malone. I also answer to Amy Green. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. I'm very excited to introduce Alicia Mullins from Gal Pals Watch Podcast. Yay! Yay. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. You picked this movie that we're talking about today, which is Carol. Todd Haynes' 2015 romantic drama starring Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett. Dearest, there are no accidents and no explanation I offer will satisfy you. I like that. You seek resolutions because you're young. But you will understand this one day. How many times have you been in love? You're always the most beautiful woman in the room. Therese Bellavet. Carol. Tell me you know what you're doing. I never did. She's still my wife. I love her. I can't help you with that. It shouldn't be like this. I know. If he can't have me, I can't see my daughter. Everything comes full circle. What made you pick this film? Um, I'm just a little bit obsessed with it. That's about it. Valid. (laughs) (laughs) No, this movie has held some emotional significance for me. Not only do I just enjoy the film, but I am a gay person and... I had read The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith, which is what this movie is based on, at a particularly uh, young age, I would say, a little bit younger than Therese is in this movie, and Mm -hmm. um, this was really impactful, and as I did more research on this book in and of itself, I was just blown away by its history, and it's kind of the first pulp book to not have someone die in it, or like, lesbian (laughs) pulp. Right. That was like literally a rule of the movies for a while, right? That if there were lesbians, one had to die. Yeah. Or they had to renounce being lesbians. Yeah. And in the pulp novel especially, you could have someone, I forget the exact words, but basically a gay person. But as long as they had some sort of untimely death or ended up with a man or <laughs> a myriad of different things uh, opposed to just happiness with another woman <laughs> just yeah. so no one gets any ideas <laughs> uh, it must be a cautionary t- yeah <laughs> so i was just very excited when i heard that it was in production i was just thrilled 
I'm super excited to talk about this movie too. It's been on our list for a while. I was kind of putting it off just a bit because <laughs> Annie Malone said that she wasn't super into it. <laughs> but the first time, we can talk about that now. Did your feelings change? I definitely liked it more this second time. When I first saw it, I was like, that was okay. I liked it a lot more this time, but at heart, the relationship with Carolyn Therese does not get me. It does not grab me at all. There was a lot that I liked about it and stuff I related to this watch, but I still only like this movie as a friend. Aww. <laughs> this movie has plenty of suitors. <laughs> Let's start with Hot Probs then. Shut up. Hot Probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. You didn't think they vibed well? I, Therese, in general, I sort of just don't care for her. I don't feel like she has a lot of personality. And I don't know how much is Therese and how much is, because I also, in general, don't care for Rooney Mara. I feel like they are very awkward with each other for most of the movie. I just don't feel it like that. Mm -hmm. so like, you know, that SNL parody, this like the lesbian drama. Starring two straight actresses who dare not to wear makeup. 12 lines of dialogue, two and a half hour runtime. Put the rocks in the basket. The gray one's the best. Featuring Academy Award winning glance choreography. <laughs> and best supporting actress nominee, The Wind. And the one actual lesbian actress as Stone Cold X. And then one super hot sex scene. Yeah. I mean, like, I loved Carol, the character. I probably had other little hot props here and there, but I think it's just Therese. I don't dig her, I don't get them together. That is kind of Rooney Mara's, uh, is it Mara or Mara? Mara. That is just kind of her vibe, is real low-key. <laughs> I don't know. I she... have to try because I'm a billionaire? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I think I also just hold that against her a little tiny bit. Even if okay. I didn't know who she was mm -hmm. or anything. Because when I first saw this movie, I don't think I knew who she was or her family or anything. And I just, I don't know. It's weird because someone like Kristen Stewart also has that very low-key, naturalistic style. Oh, yeah, She's but it great. really works. This is, I don't know. She does not do it for me. Well, there are actors who are really low-key, but expressive nonetheless. Less. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, Kristen Stewart is super good at that. She can convey nuance, not doing too much to her face. I wonder how much of this was just Rooney Mara being next to Kate Blanchett, who is a flawless performer, I think. If you can't keep up with that, it's gonna show. That's an excellent point because Kate Blanchett really is the star of this movie. Even though it's in the point of view of Therese, at least from the beginning, this movie's about Carol. I think you're supposed to see Carol through Therese's lens, you know, literally and figuratively. And I think we're supposed to, as the audience, be a bit infatuated with her. But I do agree with you, Amy. I do not like Rooney and Mara's performance in this. Oh. Because I don't know if it's that I can't relate or I don't know, because like I can relate. I feel like I've been that person in the past who's just like aching for something. But I feel like Rooney Mara doesn't give a shit <laughs> in this film. Yeah. Maybe that is because she's a billionaire. Oh my god, that's so insightful. Because it's like she hasn't ever wanted for anything. So she doesn't really know what that's like. Right. There's a big difference between millionaires and billionaires. They're growing up rich, growing up comfortable. Her family, they own two football teams. Like, that's sick kind of money, yes. you know? <laughs> Nobody like owns two football teams. <laughs> I think it's kind of impossible to be like a good, normal person and have that much money and come from that much money you know mm -hmm. i don't really feel bad saying that <laughs> i don't think you should i don't see how actors couldn't be influenced by that their right. own experiences within this so to kind of piggyback on what you were saying when i rewatched this for this show i realized if this were 50 years in the future would they even be together how yeah would, how much of it is just we're both lesbians in I the 50s 95 percent yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> lesbians are 
experience and willing to act on it. Yeah. I think the chemistry was okay, but I don't know, just like something about it on paper <laughs> feels like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it as like she's someone she might have a fling with. You know, she's supposed to be in love with Therese. She does say that, and that I'm not getting. <laughs> Yeah, there's quite an age difference, too. In the theater, like, I don't know, when it was like six years ago or something, but I didn't really notice it as much, and now that I'm older watching <laughs> it, the age difference was pretty significant. Is this, like, true love? I don't know. I do see how it's not really about their relationship with each other as much as it's about what the experience was like for yeah. any queer person at that time. It really is clouded by the fact that Kate Blanchett is just such a friggin' smoke show. <laughs> It's like, of course anybody would be completely infatuated with her the first moment you saw her. Yeah, maybe that was kind of like the way that it was marketed. I just thought this is a love story, you know? And so like I had yeah. that mindset, but it's more about living your life authentically. And she had to go through so much to see her kid. And she had a lot to lose by going off on her own. I do really yeah. like the title of the book, The Price of Salt, is kind of more descriptive about what the movie's about. It's not so much about the love story as it's about the cost of her trying to be at all authentic and adding spice to her life by, <laughs> by not hiding herself in this abusive marriage. Yeah, I'm consistently blown away by how brave Carol is mm -hmm. every time. Because today it's like, of course you would leave him. Duh. <laughs> but like, you have to put yourself in the scenario and, and within that society and it's so incredibly brave. However, she is a woman of extreme privilege. <laughs> like, it's I true. I acknowledge that, of course. Yeah. But I still am blown away. Right. Because she could have been put in an asylum. Never seen her kids ever again. Right. Kid or she, again. And also, it's brave that she kind of doesn't take like the easy way out. That she says in front of her lawyer, who you can tell is sitting here, shut up, stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't regret it. I don't take that back. Now, what happened with Therese? I want it. And I will not deny it or say that I but I do regret and I grieve for the mess we are about to make of our child's life she could have gone along with them and like yeah I'm cured of that weird face I was in <laughs> that well that's my gay face <laughs> yeah I do love that she never apologized for that or really anything she did not make apologies in a time when women were expected to apologize for basically existing right yeah so that was pretty amazing. And you're right that she does come from a privileged place, but even though she does, she still is a woman. So she doesn't have the same freedoms as a white rich man. Absolutely, because, yeah, I mean, she doesn't have her own bank account at that point right. in time. I'm sure even at the end, when she says she has an apartment on, I forget where, like Madison Avenue or Upper East Side, whatever. Yeah. Some nice place. I think like, oh, hard has to pay for that. She will always be connected to him in that way and reliant on him it's scary totally and he could always like he's already taken away her kid but he could always take away more so even though she isn't apologizing to him she still has to concede to him in certain ways could that investigator really tape her through the wall like that like that's <laughs> crazy yeah that kind of stuff happened and worse the husbands had so much power over wives Apparently that literal thing happened. Oh, so the book is semi-autobiographical. Patricia Highsmith did have a relationship with an older society woman, and that did happen, where they were taped through the walls of a hotel room, and her child got taken away from her. Jeez. Wow. 
They have to like damage the wall somehow in order to get it through, but basically it's like a microphone through the wall. So I don't know how clear it would even be, but yeah, they they used to do it all the time. I'm sure it didn't take much proof. You, a white man, suspect your wife of being a lesbian. No further questions. <laughs> what do you want us to do or to her? Yeah. Any other hot probs? This is a minor one, but Kate Blanchett's back is anachronistic to this film. There's no way a housewife in the 50s would be that jacked. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's too muscular. <laughs> That's probably true. That's a goofy hot problem. I really hate that Richard calls Therese Terry. I feel like <laughs> she probably never consented to that nickname because it's awful. And she always introduces herself as Therese. I think you should pay attention to how people introduce themselves and act accordingly. Good old Jake Lacey. What a fun typecast he's found himself. (laughs) (laughs) The guy that someone's dating, but she's not really into him. She might settle for him at the end, or maybe not. The forgettable boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, too nice, not interesting enough. No chemistry. Another hot prop I have is, I wish there was more of Sarah Paulson's character in this film Mm. because more than anything in this film I love the friendship between Carol and Abby oh my god that trumps the like romantic relationship between Carol and Therese for me I mean I would also watch Sarah Paulson in basically anything because I'm in love with her but (laughs) (laughs) that seemed so effortless it did and that's like that's a really good example of the lacking in Rooney Mara's performance is when you have two powerhouse actors together in a scene it's like this is what you're supposed to feel because you definitely feel all their history I love the script so good the way that they talk about the past is so natural and then you just can fill in the blanks from their body language and the way they talk to each other and their shorthands their friendship shorthands that's a really magical relationship they have more about the friendship shorthands. You want to tell me about her? Therese. Return my gloves. Well, the thing that really struck me is when they're walking down the stairs together to that party that they don't want to go to. (laughs) The way they put their arms around each other is so supportive, like, I got you, this is gonna suck, but we're here together. (laughs) And then the way that she defends Carol when her horrible husband comes to look for her, so fucking fierce. Yes. I love that scene. (laughs) It's like one of my highlights. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's, I don't know, do you want to get into meaningful passages? Or? Um, sure. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. When she says you've made sure her only point of reference is you, you know? Yeah. yeah. She's not at home and she's not with me, so she must be with you. Yeah. You know, Hard, you have a point. You've spent ten years making damn sure her only point of reference is you. Your job, your friends, your family. Where is she? God damn it! She's still my wife, Abby. She's my responsibility. You know, that's some way of showing it, slapping her with an injunction. I'm closing the door. Oh my god. (laughs) There's a lot there. (laughs) He's so perfectly cast, I thought. Like, he's just that 1950s heteronormative rich white guy. He's like Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. (laughs) Uh, He's like an all-American guy. (laughs) He insists that he loves her, but that's not really what loving someone is. But in his mind, he's like, I love her. You know, and it's just like... He just doesn't 
Mm-hmm. And it refers to her a lot as my wife. Yeah, even though it's not true. When she just walks into her house. Harge, what's wrong? Nothing. Does there need to be a problem for me to visit my wife? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's an awful lot wrong there. Yeah, bro. Like, not your house. Not your wife. <laughs> he is also, um, I forget the actor's name plays him. Oh, yeah. He plays like the pathetic part really well too. Mm -hmm. Not that I feel bad for him at all, but like you could tell just he is a pathetic person. Yeah. Like he's a victim of society too in the in the toxic masculinity kind of way. Not that I feel bad for him. But yeah, you just see like what a man baby he is. Oh my god, <laughs> absolutely. When he's like literally sitting on the floor of the kitchen. Get a oh, grip, yeah. dude. Oh, a tantrum. I'm not ready. She's not packed. She's asleep upstairs in bed. What about my Christmas with that daughter? I'm sorry, Carol. It can't be held to flex in the morning. And do you think that I've packed already? God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> the toddler with the tie on. <laughs> God. That's adorable when toddlers start. <laughs> yeah, not cute anymore. To go back to the age gap thing, I think that's something that the film really emphasized too, is how young Therese is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. In the book, I think she's only 19 or so. Oh, wow. Um, and Carol's only supposed to be 32, which is how old I am right now, and I think, like, <laughs> how could I ever date like an 18 year old that's disgusting <laughs> but of course with the film and yeah the budget was not 32 at the time of filming there's something there too where i don't know if it's a part of therese's character that she doesn't know anything and are naive i mean she talks about that too i don't really know how i'm going with this but i feel like they really play on that yeah i really like after carol leaves and she sends her a telegram and she's like you seek explanations because you're young Please don't be angry when I tell you that you seek resolutions and explanations because you're young. But you will understand this one day. And when it happens, I want you to imagine me there to greet you. Our lives stretched out ahead of us, a perpetual sunrise. But until then, there must be no contact between us. I have much to do. And you, my darling, even more. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful letter. Yeah. That was definitely a meaningful passage for me, is that letter. It's so powerful. Carol somehow is able to convince all of that without being condescending. It is true. You seek resolutions because you are young. And I'm like, yeah, because sometimes there isn't an answer. That's just what life is. You just have to find a way to move on. And of course, it's super poetic when she says in, you know, different words, wait for me and our lives will be set out upon us a perpetual sunrise or something close to that. Yeah. It's so, so poetic. <laughs> gay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's pretty gay. <laughs> it's definitely gay. <laughs> I just wrote perpetual sunrise because I thought that was just such a beautiful phrase. I'd like Kate Blanchett to probably narrate my life. <laughs> Her voice <laughs> is <laughs> fucking <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. I, uh. <laughs> another thing I noticed with Abby, both Abby and Therese go through this like, oh, this is all my fault because I'm connected with you or, or you know, something like, and then Therese, she goes through like her guilt of it, but Kate Blanchett is like, no, this is 
not your fault, you know? I'm thinking that I'm utterly selfish and I don't do this. You had no idea. How could you have known? And I should have said no to you, but I never say no. And it's selfish because because I just take everything and I don't know anything and I don't know what I want. How could I when all I ever do is say yes to everything? I took what you gave willingly. It's not your fault, Therese. All right. I don't know, there's just something very awesome about how self-aware Carol is and like yeah. she's just, this is who I am, you don't have to apologize for anything. And this is just not something you see in a movie about queer people, especially yeah. in this, that take place in this time period. She just knows that like she's not doing anything wrong. Like, yeah, she has right. zero guilt about it. Like, there's societal guilt on most people in these, in probably right. in real life, too. But she's just like, no, I'm not accepting the societal guilt. Society's wrong. I'm gonna, like, play by the rules as much as I have to to live my life, but that's just so refreshing to see her just be like, I'm not gonna... Yeah. And don't you do that either. Don't you say that you did anything wrong, because you didn't. Yeah, there's a lot of... They're the wrong ones. In other movies with gay characters from, like, the past, there's, like, a lot of, like, shame moments in there. I like that this didn't have that. Well, the only shame is, like, her husband. He's the one who is portrayed as shameful, and right. he has no shame, personally, but I love that that's the guy that is right. shameful. He's doing the shameful thing. Right. Yeah, it is extremely <laughs> empowering, even though it takes place in the 50s, early 50s, you know, it's still, I feel like I still feel so proud of Carol <laughs> every time I watch it because she really does have so much to lose and she does choose in the end to not put her daughter through the situation that Harge is trying to put them into. This really ugly divorce, she's like, you know what? I can't be the best mother to this kid if I'm not myself, if I'm going against my grain. You know, there was a time when I would have done almost anything, I would have locked myself away to keep Brindy with me. What use am I to her, to us, if I'm living against my own grain? So that's the deal. I won't, I cannot negotiate anymore. For the sake of everyone involved, this is the way it needs to be. I love when she mm -hmm. just says, I want visits, and then she walks out because I think she knows what's on the line. No, I want visits with her arch. I don't care if they're supervised. I just want them to be regular. She sets a line there, too, that is like a very daring line to set. That's just like, we're done talking about this. I'll give you what you want. I'm not going to fight you for it. But like, you have to let me see her. I really appreciate that. And of course, her <laughs> we're not ugly people line. Oh, my God. So that's the deal. I won't, I cannot negotiate anymore. You take it or leave it. But if you leave it, we go to court. And if we go to court, it'll get ugly. And we're not ugly people, Hodge. I know, that's... So, I know, no, I mean, that's when literally I started sobbing. It'll get ugly and we're not ugly people. And I feel like he is, and I 
ugly he is. She knows that, and it's something you say to someone. I feel like it's a good tactic. Like, you're better than this, even though he really is not. Yes, know? he definitely <laughs> is not. Yeah, she's very uh, graceful to him, mm -hmm. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, you can see why he doesn't want to let go. It's like, I mean, she is... She's a babe. <laughs> she's a babe. Definitely, like, in the line where he's like, you're always the most beautiful woman in the room. It's like, yeah, definitely true. <laughs> like, I mean, that might be, like, the one main reason why he doesn't want to let her go. It's like, my wife won't be the most beautiful woman in the room anymore. But that's... <laughs> he can't control that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love early on when she's talking to Hart, Carol's talking to Harj, and he mentioned Cy Harrison's wife, and she says Jeanette. Yes. I love that exchange so much. Like, he never remembers anyone's wife's name, and she remembers it all. Yeah. It's just such a telling exchange. I never noticed that before, but you're 100% right. She's like, yeah, she has a name. Yeah. <laughs> we all have We're not names. defined by the men <laughs> Yeah. That's just how she is all the time. Little jabs of fighting back against the patriarchy. She's doing what she can. Yeah, I love the scene where she's at that big party and she's out smoking a cigarette and this other woman comes in. She's like, Jeanette, yeah. can I please? Oh, it's Yeah, Jeanette. that's Jeanette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I smoke a cigarette? Oh, he doesn't like it when I do this. And she's like, so you like it. Keep an eye out, will you? I'll scream if he catches me with this. <laughs> What'll he do, Dr. Allowance? He doesn't like me to smoke. So? You like it? Mm -hmm. Girl, I... It really is not my business. But if you're going to be alone at Christmas, sign I would love to have you. Uh huh. And she likes Jeanette, which I think is great. Right. I know. Yeah. I wonder how much of her liking Jeanette is that she doesn't like Cy Harrison. I bet. <laughs> we don't meet Cy Harrison, but I bet he's not a very nice person. I mean, his wife is hiding from him. That's not usually. <laughs> That's a good point. Accurate. And to that extent, I'm sure Jeanette knows what's going on a little bit. Like, she knows that they're getting divorced. Yeah. I'm sure there's rumors as to why. Yeah. She's still like, yeah, you're my friend, Carol. Right. <laughs> Give me a cigarette. <laughs> I bet if her husband doesn't like Carol, she likes Carol even more. So that's what I would do. She's like, I'll go to the gay one for a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, she's, like, so stressed out all the time. She has such a stressful life. I forget where I read this, but uh, something piece about how her smoking is so important, Carol. Like, she never smokes when she's with Therese, except, like, at the very beginning when they first meet up. Look around. There are a lot of clandestine glove lunches happening here. Because uh, it's the only time she's not stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also a very effective scene for me was when she's talking to Harge and he's like, who is this girl, Therese? You mm -hmm. know, and she's like, she returned my gloves and I thanked her. Like, just you can see she's very used to having to explain herself, to overly mm -hmm. explain herself to her husband, her controlling, emotionally abusive husband. Like, and you feel like you have to explain everything you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they want you to feel. How do you know my wife? Marge, please. I work at Frankenberg, so the department's I ordered a gift from her desk. I forgot my gloves, so she returned them, and I thanked her. Oh, that's bold. I mean, I just thought that was very revealing. Like, she explained herself much more than, like, 
very succinctly and it's if yeah it definitely had a like a pattern vibe to it of like i've had to do this before (laughs) yeah i love that she basically like rolled her eyes every single time she's like oh my god get out of my house it's none of your business (laughs) but i did love when she explains all that and then harj goes oh that's bold he's like your flirting techniques are on point. Because <laughs> he's like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> that you forgot your gloves. That you for, just forgot your gloves. I know. Next to this attractive human being. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. I might forget all kinds of things if I was looking at Carol. I know it's the other way around, but, you know, sometimes you can be a little distracted <laughs> by somebody. But I do think she left the gloves on purpose, obviously. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. So glad you found my lost gloves at the department store where you work, and so I wanted to thank you at the traditional two-woman light lunch with no other agenda whatsoever. I really like the conversation in the department store where she's looking for a doll for her daughter, and then she's like, What was your favorite doll when you were four? Me? I never, not many to be honest. What did you want when you were this age? A train set. Really? Do you know much about train sets? I do, actually. We just got a new model in last week. It's hand-built with hand-painted cars. It's a limited edition of 5,000. You might have seen it on the way in over by the elevators. Do you ship? Special delivery. You could have it in two or three days. They'd even assemble it for you. Wow. That's that. Sold. Like, I like that... She was like, I like trains, you know. Mm-hmm. But she was asking her about some doll, and I don't know. It, yeah, I, I liked that a lot. It was just like, like a small conversation, <laughs> but. Well, I wrote that down, like, is that a little bit of a signal, like a queer signal kind of like? I wasn't a girl that was into dolls. No, yeah, I played the trains, trains. <laughs> yeah. Um, I assume it was coded right. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember first being like, I roll. Like, of course, she's into, like, something quote-unquote masculine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, that's also my own thing about gendering toys. That scene felt forced. Like, it felt like Carol was trying to flirt. But it was also very sincere. And I don't know if it's because of the acting, but, again, when you kind of, like, compare it to Carol's conversations with Abby, mm-hmm. it feels so forced. <laughs> and, like, she's really trying to shoot her shot. She's like, ooh, this chick's into me. Yeah. <laughs> I saw her staring at me. She saw that. She yeah. definitely did. Do you think she really was there to buy a present yes. for her daughter? Okay. Yes, I do think that is what happened. But I think she probably chose Therese because she was open and mm-hmm. was looking at her before. She's like, oh, I bet I could find something over there. Yeah. <laughs> a doll or a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> or both, ideally. <laughs> I need a gift. <laughs> Yeah, and then the whole, like, delivering thing was so clever. She's like, do you deliver? Like, the way she says it. Yeah. Do you deliver? Do you need to take all my information? Just, you know, here's my address. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I did think it was very bold as well of Therese to, you know, put the pieces together Mm -hmm. and, you know, postmark the gloves on her own as, you know, her own flirting technique. I feel like I would have probably done something like that when I was her age. Had I the balls. You don't want to, like, <laughs> risk missing her coming back in to work to get the gloves. Like, I smell a gay person, maybe. Yeah. I have to shoot my shot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've, any of you have ever had this, but, like, when someone walks into a room and, like, you do feel that, like, you know, that magnetism, mm-hmm. that 
the movie shows. Yes. So you can't let that go. You gotta do something with it. So... It does such a great job of that without the typical cinematic cues that tell you how you're supposed to feel. Like, it doesn't... I don't feel like the music swells or anything when she first sees Carol. I think it's all about, like, her point of view and then seeing her. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, obviously. (laughs) There's going to be an attraction there. And then I really love a scene when they're going on their first road trip together and they're driving through the tunnel. The audio is muted of what Carol is saying. And the colors are all green and like really soft and it's kind of swimmy feeling. It kind of does the work for Bernie Mara of this person is intoxicated by the essence of this other person that they've just met. Like she's she's kind of just looking at her lips talking and her hand on the gear shift and kind of sneaking glances at her while she's driving. I feel like that's yeah. such a gay cue on focusing on the mouth. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Our hands, too, because there's a lot of close-ups of hands, like a ton of close-ups of Kate Blanchett's painted fingernails. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's all very gay-coded, lesbian-coded specifically. Yeah, she has really nice nails. Like, they're always, like, perfectly manicured. What's up with that? Perfectly. <laughs> In that scene that you were just describing, she's talking about something so banal. Like, she's talking about the snow. I love it when it snows. Isn't it nice? <laughs> 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 yeah. Watch movies with subtitles. Yeah. And, like, when, so it says that she... <laughs> I'm like, she literally just invited this girl to her house, and she's just like, so the weather. They have nothing weather. in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's really funny. Yeah, and that's actually the first time I know, and I've seen this movie. Like, I watch it every Christmas. I watch this movie multiple times a year because I. It gives me the warm fuzzies, even though I have problems with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that was the first time I noticed that she's not really saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting, because usually we watch with the subtitles on, too, but we didn't this time. And, I, yeah, I did just, like, hear the blah, wah, 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 like the Charlie Brown sound. <laughs> it's funny that they captioned it, and it was nothing. It was, like, literally not anything. <laughs> Uh, it's just so beautiful. I didn't want to mar the gorgeousness of the cinematography with subtitles this time. It is, it is a very I just wanted to feel it because that's what I think it's mostly about. That's like the Todd Haynes style. Is like it's just an emotion. Oh, and the clothes are great too. Clothes and, and cars. Oh my gosh, that red outfit Carol has on, where she has like a red like cape. Oh, that, that was great. Yeah. Black glasses. I was like. I still strive to be that. And those <laughs> bright red lips. Like, oh how do God. you put Here lipstick you on like that? I <laughs> want to know. Where it's just, like, so perfectly smooth. Yeah, her mouth in that scene is very noticeable. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of her mouth. Um, <laughs> I never noticed how expressive Kate Blanchett is in her mouth. Oh, my God. It really is. <laughs> which I think makes, like, I mean... Not just the mouth, but like a really good actor. It's like the micro expression. Yes. And I feel like she was crazy good doing that. That's something I noticed this time around as well, where I was like, she can make her like lip just like twitch a little bit. And you're like, how'd you even do that? And it also conveyed paragraphs of emotion. Uh (laughs) She is fantastic at that. I really love the look that she gives right as she's walking away from the counter and she turns back around from far away and says, I like the hat. Very charming. And her yeah, face, yeah. her face, when she does that, is like the most gorgeous, flirtatious, heart-melting smile, and it's just like a split second. 
shows her that and then walks away and is like, oh, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Sappy. I think of Erin every single time <gasps> I watch that. Oh my god, I can see that. She has that old classic look and she does stuff like that too. She does. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought of you also with the lines. Do you think you can handle a redhead? <laughs> anyway, I got my eye on this redhead who owns a steakhouse outside of Friends. <laughs> I'm talking serious. Rita Hayworth redhead. Really? You think he got what it takes to handle a redhead? <laughs> that was very funny to me. Yes. Serious. I wrote in my notes, Abby is a national treasure because I wish there was a whole movie of just Abby. Yeah. Abby so much. A prequel <laughs> will be terrific. Yeah, yeah. I love their friendship and how they're so like, yeah, we had sex a couple times and that's just what it was and it's not that now and we're mm -hmm. friends. That's it. There's nothing more to it, and everyone else would kind of wants to harp on it. <laughs> Carol says to Harge, Abby and I were over far before you and I were over. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, he's just not the kind of guy to let anything go, is he? <laughs> he's not chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really like when Carol sees the picture of Therese when she's younger and says, was this you? Is this you? No one ever phrases it that way. And I just think that's so wonderful because it is really like, is this you? No, it was me. <laughs> and really, if you think about it, any photograph was you. Right. That's true. Oh my God. I just thought that was such a genius way of phrasing it. I've never heard it like that before. There's so much to be said in just that one change of a tense, really, because that doesn't mean that's who you are anymore. And of course, like, we physically grow, but emotionally as well, and yeah, Therese is not the same person she was as a child. And I don't know if that's sort of an homage to the book, because Therese is supposed to be an orphan. Grew up in a Catholic orphanage, so I wonder if that's supposed to be some... Because it looked sort of like a school photo. It's really <laughs> tattered. She doesn't have any others. She doesn't have a lot of... Doesn't have childhood photos or family photos, yeah. All the photos are ones that she took. I do really like her one friend, Therese's friend, whose name I cannot remember at all. Danny. But Danny, yes. The one that kisses her? Mm hmm I do like their friendship towards the end. Even though he did kiss her without, you know, consent, he stopped when she said to stop. And I feel like that ended up turning out for the best. The real lesbro, <laughs> as we call him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. He's like, I'll paint your house, sure. <laughs> Yeah, he seemed like the least toxic masculine guy in the movie. Like, it's the 50s, so there's always going to be a little something, but... <laughs> he was good. Like, kind of the only good dude in the movie. All the other dudes pretty much sucked. <laughs> yeah. See, Oh, and then, of course, ask me things. I mean, I want to ask you things, but I'm not sure that you want that. Ask me things, please. Please. I loved that one I'm so like gonna much. Cry just about it. Her delivery is insanely perfect. <laughs> like, how did she, did she decide to break it up like that? The way she breaks it up. Oh my god! And it really feels like she's in prison when she's talking in that scene. Yeah. The way it's shot—I don't know why, because it's her house. But like somehow the way it's shot is like she's on a prison phone call. <laughs> And she yeah. kind of is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I never, I never thought of that. But yeah, the shot makes it very close, claustrophobic, like a jail. 
What else does a suicide need, huh? I do have a little fun fact, which is that they were talking to each other for real. Not on the phone, but like they were in each other's phone call scenes. Oh, I like Doing that. the different parts, which I really love. I think that's how I'd do it too if I were <laughs> shooting a movie phone call because it's so hard to make a phone call seem natural unless you're really talking to the person. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I feel like they probably don't do that very often. Just yeah. Because your lines say them <laughs> to an empty. Right. <laughs> right. And just like wait or wait or this amount of time in between or I mean sometimes they'll have like a PA or something off camera say the other lines too. Both of them together decided that they were gonna be at each other's phone call scenes doing the lines. I also, as I said, don't necessarily feel the spark between Therese and Carol in terms of will they be like long lasting or are they just two lesbians in no lesbian land. <laughs> um, this movie I feel like perfectly encapsulates the desperation you feel when you meet someone who nourishes you. I feel like Therese is in just like a sea of hunger. Um, Carol is a little bit too. Mm -hmm. I mean, she has Abby, but it's a little different. And the little things of this movie really encapsulate the gay experience, the queer experience, at least from like that time period through maybe like the 90s. Like how touch-starved gay people are sometimes because they mm. don't want to get too close to someone and have that fear of someone pointing the finger and say, you're gay. There's one scene right after Carol talks about the picture of young Therese where she sits down on a chair and Therese comes up to her and just puts her hand on her shoulder and Carol jumps. Oh and my it's God. Like she's so touch starved. She just doesn't know. And I think that's actually a really part of the traumatic gay experience. I think was so subtle that I really appreciate about this film. I like, it was just kind of like a throwaway line, but it was about her photography. And she's like, I have a friend who told me I should be more <laughs> interested in humans. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that. And like, do you get this feeling that she's kind of just existing she's asked like do you think you're gonna marry him and she's like i don't even know what i want to have for lunch yeah <laughs> she's just waiting for what's next i kind of wondered like she has that conversation with the guy she's dating about do you think a boy can fall in love with a mm. boy or like you and he's like i don't know any people like that she obviously like sees carol meets her she really feels seen she, she's just really surprised by it or like you think she didn't know that she was gay before that? I, I don't know. I wonder. I just wondered. Because, like, in the 50s, yeah. does that occur? Did, I don't know. Like, I just didn't know, like, what is this feeling I'm feeling? Yeah, I think it was probably, like, a non-specific thought. But just, like, I am infatuated by this person. Right, yeah. Not even what does that mean. Because I don't feel like Therese really questions it very much. I don't know. She even tells her boyfriend, uh, Richard, you are saying everything about me having a crush on her. You're the one saying I'm going to leave you for her, but also why would I want to be with you if you're going to pull this shit? Yeah. You know? <laughs> of course, she, Therese is in love with Carol, but yeah, it's beside the point. She kind of doesn't really want to put a label, I guess, on her identity. Yeah. Yeah, she hasn't decided yet. <laughs> like, she just does kind of seem like she's just going with the flow a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Playing things, like, one minute at a time. Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought about how, they're, like, that might be her first well, actual you know romantic thought. So or so yeah. Strongly, but I just wondered what was going on in her mind, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, is she, does she know? Or... 
in in the 50s, I mean, I obviously haven't lived in the 50s. She might not have known. Maybe she didn't. She just thought, I just haven't met any men I like. And then she meets this woman and she's like, oh, maybe the men were the problem. But she does kind of take it really slow. She's like, no, this is just a lady I'm going to go spend Sunday afternoon at her house. No big deal. For some reason, I really want to do that. And then, like, yeah, for some reason I want to go on, like, a girl's trip with this lady. (laughs) I feel like that is definitely the positive experience. Like, you know, as a child, looking back, why did I feel like everything was life or death with my best friend? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she wasn't my best friend, you know? Right. Like, I was having little kid emotional romantic feelings. (laughs) Um, But everything feels so fraught. Yeah. And without having, like, a definition for it. You're like, am I crazy? Yeah, like, (laughs) some of my friends I just feel really nervous around for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, speaking of friends in this film, Carrie Brownstein is a... Oh, yeah, for, like, no reason, it seems like. Yeah, is she friends with Todd Haynes? No idea. I know, it, like, almost seems like she won a contest to be in a Todd Haynes movie or something. But, you know, she's another gay TM. Totally. Um, yeah, uh, they have that one shot. Yeah, I get on Torres and Torres is just like, man, I just like got out of a really crazy thing. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like, yeah, it's not a good time right for now. Torres. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually just, this just made me decide it. I gotta run after her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. Which made me sad because I didn't want to see more of uh, Carrie Brownstein because it's one of those things where it's just like so random. <laughs> I know. It is weird when it's somebody so notable. I mean, it could have been like literally anybody (laughs) (laughs) delivering those two lines (laughs) she has a name too what's her name it's a funny name name. i might have to drop it in it was a good one though genevieve cantrell really seemed like she just showed up and was like todd listen i gotta be in your movie (laughs) i've picked a name for myself (laughs) i brought my own vintage clothes Please just let me do something. Just write me something. (laughs) I also love, um, because I feel like Carol is so poised throughout the whole film. When she's so nervous at the end, I'm like, my heart is with her. I love it. I love how Kate Blanchett sells me on that. Do you mean in the restaurant? Yes, the restaurant in the opening and the Yes. She's just like so nervous. And she... She's not her smooth self. I feel like she's usually so yeah. put together and she's really unraveled. She's yeah. completely laying herself bare for like right. the first time ever, basically. Yeah, it's so scary. Waiting to be trampled on. And then to leave without an answer? Oh, how did she do that? Man, fuck that guy for interrupting. I know. Can't <laughs> you see you're kind of walking in on something? I know. I was just two gals talking. Two they gals just <laughs> Exactly. I love the name of your podcast, by the way. I think that's really funny. <laughs> just, just two gals and gals. What could they possibly be talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the, clothes or makeup or something. The hand on the shoulder. You two have a good time. Uh, yeah. yeah it was just like the lingering oh. hand on the shoulder yeah. and then she looks at it I love the way she like oh looks at down yeah. at that hand this movie <laughs> could murder me like yeah. it's just full of emotion totally and then that guy puts his hand on her other shoulder like in the beginning you see that you see Carol's hand leave her one shoulder and then her friend puts his hand on her other shoulder and then it's just like lingers on her back and you can almost feel her shoulders like the weight of the different hands it's just so much more weighted heavily on Carol's side. It's just such amazing filmmaking where you can get so much out of one shot. Yeah, I never noticed the other dude. Maybe this is like just my gay filter. But I'm like, 
I was really noticing the filmmaking this time because I've only seen it twice. The first time I saw it when it came out, it was all about the story and I was really taken in by the story. So this time I was like, okay, I know it's going to happen, so I don't have to focus on that as much. I can just look at the shots. And each shot in this movie is a work of art. It's incredible. I mean, Todd Haynes always gets really good cinematographer. Uh, I wrote down the cinematographer's name somewhere. I don't know where it is. Edward Lockman. It was shot on 16 millimeter film to look like a photograph, basically. It was designed to look like a photograph, and it does look like a photograph. Wow. The whole movie is supposed to be photojournalism from the 1950s. The likes of, I don't know these people at all, but this might be meaningful to somebody. <laughs> Vivian Mayer, Ruth Orkin, Helen Levitt, and Esther Bubley. Bublay? Bublay? <laughs> it's B-U-B-L-E-Y. Uh, wow. But those specific photojournalists, you know them? You know that no, person? I okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. supposed to look like they're photojournalism, and it's. I have to look them up because if it does, then they must have done some amazing work. Yeah, and any frame in this film could be like an Edward Hopper painting. It's sickening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like Therese is taking your picture, she's like, "Oh, I look afraid." Oh my so. God! <laughs> what? Is, I know. <laughs> like no. <laughs> That's the least true thing that's ever been said. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Did you see Far From Heaven? I really oh, like yeah. that movie. I like that too. It was kind of like more of a melodrama mm-hmm. seeming yeah. way it was filmed, but it was another beautiful movie that he did. I don't think I'm quite familiar with his work. I think you would really like the Mildred Pierce miniseries he did on HBO. Oh. With Kate Winslet and Guy Pierce and oh and Evan Rachel Wood, uh, yeah, it's another like beautiful period piece with lots of great old cars and <laughs> clothes, such gorgeous clothes and beautiful, beautiful lead and Kate Winslet, <laughs> who's so good, also just such a phenomenal actor and does a lot of great things with her mouth. <laughs> another really good yes. mouth performer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's true though. It's true. Their mouths are both beautiful and expressive. <laughs> they contain multitudes. It's stuff with their mouths. <laughs> well, it's I, mouth stuff. I, I, I had a couple other meaningful passages. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I love the flung from. I can't even say it. Flung from space. I just love that line so much. What a strange girl you are. Why? Out of space. I have that on a t-shirt, by the way. Oh. Awesome. And then Carol said, just when you think it can't get any worse, you run out of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> she was actually so funny. She was hilarious. Yeah. Like, she's like, what town are we in? Waterloo. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Isn't that awful? <laughs> I absolutely love it when she says that. What town is this again? This. Waterloo. <laughs> Isn't that awful? <laughs> and yeah. I also love when she toasts to President McKinley when they're in the presidential suite. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I love how bold um, Carol is in that scene as well, where she has Therese put on makeup and perfume, and they're kind of just like gal palling around. But then she goes in for the like, oh, smell my perfume. Oh, that's divine. Smell that. Mm. 
to President McKinley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so classic. <laughs> like, is she or isn't she? She went on a road trip with me. She didn't. No, she didn't take on. the cue. I know because she's so young. Maybe she doesn't know all the things yet. Yes. Like, I still don't know if she likes me or not. <laughs> <laughs> she took me on a road trip and so she gave classic. me a makeover, but I still can't tell. That's such a classic <laughs> lesbian thing to do. It's like um, you know, like a funny sort of meme like on tiktok where it's like dudes will not even go like 30 minutes to see someone while lesbians will drive like six hours to have like a two-hour date and then they don't drive back and oh, wow. like, i'll risk it all <laughs> and i feel like that trope is in this place. It's alive and well. I'm here for it. That's really funny. I thought the one really well done scene for Romero is when she's leaving Carol's place and she is in the cab. The way that she has her face like kind of follow the window, you know, as it's driving away. The longing in that particular scene was good. Overall, she wasn't that great at conveying longing, but I thought that she did a very good job. That was really funny how her face just kept turning like me. <laughs> I just don't want to stop looking. Oh, I also wrote down the line about you don't have to sleep over there when they're in the like hotel room with the tiny beds. Because I was like, it kind of seems like she does. There's no, there's literally only room for one person in each of these beds. She's like, just because someone found out about us doesn't mean we can't like fuck again. Let's go. I know. Like we're already in trouble. I, I love. I do really like that. <laughs> My most meaningful passage, we kind of hit on it, but like when she's in the lawyer's office and she says like she doesn't regret what she did with Therese and she says, but I grieve for the mess we're going to make of our child's life. Mm. Yeah. That was meaningful to me. Yeah. yeah. It's so powerful. And it's like she's the only one who cares about her <laughs> child's well-being. Yeah. Harge will basically do anything to get his way. And he blames it on everyone except himself. And Carol's more like, look at the bigger picture, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is a really powerful statement. No matter how ugly you are ever gonna make this for me, like, I'm never gonna regret leaving you, you know? like Yeah. You know, just talking about Carol and Hart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> this is the movie we're talking about today. These are the themes. <laughs> I mean, I will say it out like you don't have to delete it, but I will never regret leaving my husband, ever. Divorce yeah. is a good thing for them what needs it. <laughs> I feel like I'm still workshopping that one. Yeah. It's not quite a t-shirt yet. <laughs> There's a reason for it, and it's it's okay. <laughs> And I'm glad that she was at least able to do that at that time. It was a shitty-ass time for women, but at least she was able to divorce him. Because, yeah. like, I feel like even just a decade earlier, she would have just had to stick it out. For sure. And I thought it was cool. She's like, I have a job. I'm a buyer for a furniture business. Yeah. And, like, I'm just like, you're going to be okay. And her daughter's going to grow up and maybe won't even take her growing up. Like, her daughter's going to get a little older and then kind of realize what happened yeah and then there's nothing harsh can do at that point like yeah. their daughter is gonna remember who made her life difficult and who didn't you know <laughs> yeah absolutely i do have a bit of fan fiction in my head of one day rindy is going to get older 
and realized she's been brainwashed this whole time and taught to believe that her mom didn't want her or something like that. And when she finds out the truth, it's going to like set her free. That makes me happy. I could really do with a prequel mm-hmm. and a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> love that so much they don't even really need to like do de-aging on Kate Blanchett or anything just her (laughs) perpetually gorgeous face at any age she really is like timeless she is like a ageless timeless elf that's who she is it's like she's played that before it's crazy yeah (laughs) I know Uh, I always tried to when my kids were little like even before it was reading Lord of the Rings, I would try to do my Galadriel voice when I was reading to them because it would make them sleepy. <laughs> I could never do it quite as well as her, obviously, but just like really slow, low talking. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. I do that too. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, ooh, I'm getting a little too animated. I need to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no one's gonna go to sleep this way. <laughs> this <looks like> <laughs> I have a fun fact. Oh, fun fact! This is something I noticed for the first time this time around again. The address on the letter at the end when Carol hand delivers the letter to Therese at the New York Times. The address on the letter is sort of, it has a three in front of it, what the actual address is. But it is a house in Ridgewood, New Jersey, that is the woman's house that Patricia Highsmith stalked briefly. Oh, wow. So they got, like, real meta in this movie, which I am so here for and appreciate. Damn. Because I looked it up, and I I paused it. I was like, wait a minute. Of course she would have, like, nice stationery. Yeah. (laughs) It's Carol, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, And then I looked it up, and it's just a one digit off, but... It's the same house that Patricia Highsmith had basically boarded a train and stalked this woman back to her house to see where she lived. And it turns out it's like this $2 million Tudor mansion in New Jersey. Wow. (laughs) That's not the same woman that she had the affair with. I don't know. Okay. Not 100%. Just another paramour of hers. It was in a group of latent homosexual wives. Okay. So (laughs) that's what I got from the New Yorker article there. Interesting. Gosh, there's a lot. <laughs> there is. Uh, let's see. Do I have any fun facts? Oh yes, I do. I I love this fact. Carol's fur coat was created from the fur of many different vintage coats. Like they couldn't afford like a good vintage fur coat, so they just like hacked up some ones that were not in good shape. And the coat itself was so piecemeal that it fell apart every day. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Costume designer Sandy Powell said every day, every scene, it fell apart. And they were just constantly stitching it back together for the next scene. <laughs> I, I would not even know. Yeah. I mean, she looks so polished in every, yeah. everything. And, like, I love stories like that. Yeah. Like, it looked great. It did look pretty good. Oh, and then Rooney Mara's clothes were actual used vintage clothes. Oh, nice. But Kate Blanchett's were all recreations because she needed to have like pristine looking outfits and they couldn't afford I guess there was a little bit of a budget on this it sounds like they couldn't afford like real crisp vintage clothes but they could do recreations 
and then they could buy used vintage clothes for Rooney Mara. Makes sense. Yeah. Like, socioeconomic differences of films. Totally. And I do really love that they paid attention to that kind of thing, because sometimes, like, a movie won't care about that, and they'll just be like, (laughs) everyone's dressed impeccably, no matter what their job is or where they live. (laughs) have whole houses. Yeah. Yeah, I loved the jeans with like the wool sweaters and like just kind of like the casual 50s look. So many good sweaters. Yeah. One of my notes was just sweaters exclamation point because there's just like sweaters everywhere. <laughs> and like a lot of terrific sweaters. Plus the winter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my, another kind of like jokey meaningful passage is I believe it was the Carol's lawyer. He says the events of the winter. Like my client is... Uh, past the events of this winter. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I do get gayer each winter. <laughs> it's all the schnapps, I guess. You just gotta cuddle up. <laughs> this sweater's not doing it for me. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh my god, the euphemisms. I'm sure that was accurate. <laughs> the events. He tries to, um, his argument is that Hart's made her gay, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, nope, <laughs> I'm not gonna accept that one. <laughs> Let's not give him credit for the, anything. <laughs> Especially that. <laughs> not my good taste. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> did he have an affair, too? The lawyer's defense was he had an affair made her gay. <laughs> Or something. Oh, I think just the fact that he was so mean or something like that. Maybe yeah. Definitely an alcoholic. Oh, for sure. Clearly. Oh my god, I was so... I knew that Rindy, is that her name? Yeah. It was going to be okay. Still, you don't like seeing a drunk guy get in a car with their yeah. little daughter. I mean, they had a driver, too. Yeah. But it's like, right, yeah. just but. like, why does he think he should be taking her away in the middle of the night in this yeah. state? Like, why that's going to be better for her than leaving her with her mom in bed? Oh, that guy sucked. He's like, I just came here to yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this guy drive me around and yell at people when I'm drunk. <laughs> Guy. What is his job supposed to be? Rich. Do they ever say just a rich guy? <laughs> he's a rich guy. He yeah. seems like oh, sorry. He's, <laughs> business he's, business person. Yeah, business factory. Business, <laughs> a business factory with wealthy parents. Yeah, uh, trust yeah. trust fund business factory. They seem like very old money people. Oh um, yeah, he definitely had old money hard attitude. Hard. The names are crazy. That's what I, that must be what Rindy is too. I bet it's like. A, I love the name Rindy. You do. I wonder what it's short for though, because hard is hardest. They don't say in the book. That is the kind of thing there were. Like, there were girls in my uh, Catholic school with, like, weird first names that were definitely, like, family names. Like, my great-grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> Can't think of any examples offhand. Well, that's really Mara. I mean, Rooney is Mara. Oh, right. It's a last name yeah, it's of someone in her family. One of the football owners. It's, oh. <laughs> it's like the Rooney family and the Mara family were the two super wealthy families, and then they married or whatever. She's got both the names. The dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But her real first name is Patricia, I read. Really? <laughs> yeah. Rooney's her middle name. Didn't want to be Patricia. She didn't want to be a Patty. Patty Mara. <laughs> Kate and Patty Mara. <laughs> Patty's cute, though. I think that's a cute name. I think it's cuter than Rooney, actually, personally. But let's see. Oh, I have one more fun fact, actually. The three boys, I don't remember these boys, but I read the fact. The three boys that run up to the model train set at Frankenberg's after Carol has walked away from it are Kate Blanchett's children. Aww. And their names are Roman, 
Ignatius and Dashel. Oh. She's got a Dashel. Oh, I have a Dashel. <laughs> yeah. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. The question is, which department would you like to work in at a department store? All right, Alicia, why don't you set us off if you're ready? I have given us a lot of thought. And at first I was thinking toys like Therese, but mm -hmm. then I was like, no, because the toys department brings out the worst in kids and parents. <laughs> <laughs> parents says no, the kid like drags it and then they are crying, you have to clean up after them, whatever. Yeah. Then I thought maybe appliances, but that's not any better. So I was thinking of like stationery. If I could make a stationery and paper goods <gasps> department, Ooh. that'd be fun. Slash gift, wrap, gift wrapping, because I love wrapping gifts. I do too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it does make sense that the gift wrapping would be next to the stationery. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's good. I also gave this a lot of thought, but in a totally different direction. <laughs> I would like to work in like casual menswear. Because I feel like if I'm working in a department store, I want to be flirting with men. I don't want like fancy men. That's not really my thing. But I <laughs> thought about the debate between like athletic stuff or just sort of casual. You know, I like a sporty guy, an active guy. I mean, it's not a deal breaker either way. I was also just thinking of like flirting, not actually like picking up on men. But anyway, the reason I thought that a man, whether he's married or not, he's probably going to buy his own athletic stuff. Whereas I feel like if a man's buying his own jeans and shirts, he's single. If he's married, like his wife probably buys that stuff. I don't want to waste my time flirting with married guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. So that's what I think. I don't wear a lot of perfume anymore, but I like scents. So like <laughs> candles Ooh. and like perfume I'm like really into. I don't know, there's like almost like a sommelier-esque like <laughs> thing to it. Like notes of whatever. I, I would like talking about that with people, I think. And talking about their scent preferences yeah, and finding the right scent for people. Or floral <laughs> or um, pheromones. Right, exactly. <laughs> I like that stuff. What do you want to do with the perfume? Like, what are your goals? What are you going for? I love it. Is this for Easter or a hot date? Right. Church or... <laughs> That sounds really fun, but like I'm really sensitive to scents in general. Like I not sensitive, but like I can get overwhelmed by them and like start to feel a little queasy. Yeah. I guess it is sensitive. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> like I have a lot of visceral memories of riding to church with my grandma in the car and like just gagging because her perfume was so strong. And by the time we got to church, I would just be like, Blah, get me out of here. Imagining like having a million different scents like that all around you. Yeah, it can be overpowering. Yeah. My grandmother wore white linen. It's like such an old lady perfume. I just have like this strong, it's a very soapy white smell. Linen. Oh. Elizabeth Arden. Anyways, <laughs> that That's funny because Elizabeth Taylor's was white diamonds. White diamonds. <laughs> was that a play on the Elizabeth Arden? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I love that commercial. It though. was great. <laughs> uh, my mom had hair just like Elizabeth Taylor in that commercial too, like at that time. I remember being like, she's got your hair. <laughs> okay. I would like to work in the bra department because oh, nice. I want to set myself apart as like the one that's not all bullying about bras because I hate shopping for bras in a department store because the ladies are so annoying about it they're like nobody knows their bra size i have to tell you your bra size you've been wrong the whole time 
let me touch your titties and squeeze them and tell you everything's wrong and measure you and make you feel bad about yourself. I'm going to go get you a bunch of 42 A's. You're so wrong. Like, these are my experiences. I mean, not A, but like every time I've gone to a department store to get a bra. It's been like this. That's so accurate. Yeah. I can't be wrong every single time because one of y'all tells me every single time you won't stop. But then the other thing that happens is that they go get the bras in the size that they think I am and they bring them to me and none of them fucking fit. They're like, well, let me see. And I'm just like, I hate this experience. Yes. So I want to not be that person. I want to be like, you tell me what bra size you are. I will bring the bras you want and it'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I hate bra shopping. I've had bad experiences. It with might that. just be a big it titty thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, you can't. I have an egg. No, you can't wear that. You need an <laughs> underwire. Yeah, it just seemed like we like, were looking at the same reflection almost. Like they were right. like, that's all wrong. And I'm like, no, this one feels good and fits me. They're like, nope, it looks terrible. I'm like, oh my God. Let me get yeah. you a different one. It's surprisingly more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the other thing, too. They're like, here's a bunch of bras that are $150 each. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, what about this $30 bra? Nope, it's all wrong for you. You don't need that. That's not, doesn't fit you. I'm glad to hear, not glad, because it's awful that everyone experiences that, but it's yeah. comforting to know that it's not just me. Other women with big tits have had a similar experience. Yes, I remember before I had a breast reduction, beelining to, like, Soma and just going to the one drawer that they had. Just be like, I already know what I want. I already know what I need. Yeah. Don't touch me. Like trying to sneak in undetected and grab a bunch of stuff before anyone notices you. And then and then go to another department with your bras to check out. Like I do not want anyone to see me. I don't want to do this. How very. Uh, anything else anyone wants to say about Carol, this lovely, lovely movie? I love you, Kate Blanchett. Oh my god, I know. Please call us. Right. <laughs> say anything, literally anything. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. We should shout out Rhode Island. Alicia is from there, and we have some good friends there that definitely listen to the oh, podcast. Uh, Matt and Brandy. Brandy. I'm pretty sure they are the ones responsible for our Rhode Island downloads. <laughs> Unless you've told your family about this, Alicia. I don't know if they would like our podcast. I told my friends. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we get I some good traffic. In Rhode Island, Robin. You do? Wonderful. You do. Robin, Rhode Island. Rhode Island, Robin. Everybody knows Rhode Island, Robin. Oh, man. Where in Rhode Island are you from? Providence. Is that where everyone's from? I just happen to be. It's just a weird coincidence. Where's Robin from? I never addressed it. Warwick, Newport, East Greenwich. Maybe Newport. I don't know why I don't ever address anything. Ah, it's fine. You know who you are, Rhode Island, Robin. Rhode Island, Robin. Jamestown. Jamestown, Jamestown, Rhode Island. That's where I searched for her name. See, so you'd say Jamestown, I think Virginia. Interesting. I, love that, I, guess. I know. There's another <laughs> Jamestown. Not historic. We wonder if that's why they call it historic Jamestown every time. Oh, yes. They always say historic Jamestown. Jamestown. Yeah. They're like, this is the butter-churning Jamestown. (laughs) And then one more thing. Would you like to plug your wonderful podcast, Alicia? Yes. So I am one half of Gal Pals Watch the Podcast. Well, we don't watch a podcast. You can't do that. It's called Gal Pals Watch. (laughs) (laughs) And it is a podcast. (laughs) And basically, we do what you lovely ladies do, but we just target it towards lesbian or queer films that have women or you know inclusively defined 
Are so, you currently recording? Do you have a new season coming out? We don't have seasons. We have a an episode once a month. I actually I'm recording tomorrow. Our next movie is Set It Off, which I think <gasps> you guys have yes! covered yes. Oh. Right here Yeah. Definitely listen to that. That is a great movie. And you can find us on basically anywhere you can find or listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as well and Twitter. Do you want to? Okay, at Gal's Pals. At Gal Pals Watch. That's a hard one to say fast. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Bye. On the next episode of Paid in Puke, we are getting in over our heads with Janixa Bravo's 2021 film, Zola, based on the famous Twitter thread by Isaiah Wells and starring Taylor Page and Riley Keough. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.